Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hello, Adam, and a happy belated Father's Day to you, my friend. Thank you, and happy belated Father's Day to you and all of our listeners who are fathers, or father-like figures, as you put it. Father-like. Yes, very well said. Uh, Let's jump right into it. I want to talk today about uh, those that are thinking about retirement, and specifically um, what, in one way, we deem early retirement. Mm -hmm. The focus today is going to be on retirement earlier than age 65. And that's a key one because what we really want to focus on is healthcare. So yep. I'll just set the stage. I feel like we've been having these conversations more frequently. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe some of that is change in expectations with jobs, COVID, changing world. Some yeah. of it, frankly, is just the summertime, right? I feel yeah. like we get clients that they go on vacation and they go, you know what? <laughs> I, I could get used to this. Um, yeah, absolutely. So like good financial planners, what we want to focus on today really is what are the dominoes? What are those key factors or the situations that we would see? Um, we want people to feel prepared and news alert, healthcare is not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's news to me. Breaking news. So yeah, I don't know, let's do it. Let's talk about what, what are the conversations like between us and our clients or prospective clients on pre-65 retirement? Yeah, I think the the conversation around healthcare i think becomes one of the most critical or at least it's it's one of the least kind of factored into that retirement decision pre 65 yeah. i mean it it we we often see that you know it's age 62 people kind of have that as the benchmark for being able to access social security benefits yep yep i think people inherently know age 65 is medicare but don't necessarily understand how much or or what the process would be to actually get healthcare coverage to fill that gap until they're eligible for for Medicare. And I think uh, obviously we'll we'll go through a lot of those factors, the costs, how to get coverage, where to get coverage. But but uh, I I think we we often see that as kind of the the biggest variable to making an early retirement actually work from a financial standpoint. Yeah. And we don't want there to be like this crazy shock factor, because if you worked for and with corporations your whole life, like what you pay as part of a group healthcare plan is going to probably can be very different than what the cost is going to be to go out on the marketplace and really get your own private insurance. Yeah. Um, And I also think there's always that danger on stereotyping. You know, what are you really going to need in retirement? And Mm -hmm. sometimes that online calculator says, well, you need a certain percentage of your working income. Hey, by the way, if you don't have your mortgage anymore, you know, hey, this is all the income you need. And you weren't really thinking about that out-of-pocket expense pre-65. Yeah, yeah we, we often see it's, you know, it's the simple napkin math of, well, I know what I was earning. I know what my expenses are. I can start to add up what income I'm expecting in retirement, but it's that variable or the unknown of, well, what's healthcare going to cost if I, if I retire at 63, for example, and not really factoring that into that equation. So I think right off the bat, the, the default 
for a lot of people retiring pre-65 is they, they have some sort of availability of COBRA, which is okay. essentially just extending their group coverage through work. So once you retire, if it's pre-65, you can essentially extend your existing coverage exactly as it is from a coverage standpoint for up to 18 months. Now, the trick is you're paying your cost and you're also going to pay the employer's cost, whatever they were essentially sharing on your yeah. behalf, and potentially another an extra 2% for some administrative costs since you're no longer an employee and you have to pay outside of kind of your, your payroll. So it's essentially you could be paying up to 102% of your of whatever that plan costs to be able to continue that for, for 18 months. Yeah, and we're not... Um we're not able to kind of pinpoint a specific dollar amount, right? This is age yeah. dependent. It's, you know, plan. you still have to plan a deductible area. There are many things yep. that go into that, but the yeah. key is if you were used to paying that 200, $300, you know, a paycheck, um, the key that you said there, I just want to highlight it. You're covering the employer's portion of that too. That may have been a benefit to you, but wasn't coming right. out of your pocket. So Right. You know, a 60-year-old is going to pay 800 900 who knows, $1,000 a month. Um, and that may not be something that you were factoring into your plan. Right. Yeah. And there's, so there are special considerations. There's other caveats. If you are close to Medicare age, um, there would be, we've seen it. It's, it's rare, but there is a chance that the employer, depending on kind of their rules, they may help cover some of those costs. But I yep. think as a general rule, yeah, you, you, you can expect to pay much more than you are used to, to be able just to continue your existing coverage. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the other things I mentioned there is you may be able to control the cost a little bit by thinking about like, what is that deductible? Mm -hmm. um, right, if, if you're not really familiar with healthcare plans, the idea in theory is that the higher deductible you have, maybe the lower the premium that you have to pay. So you're saving right. yourself a little bit every month on the premium. However, if you do need to get some sort of health care, that's out of pocket expenses all the way up to that deductible. So, you know, what we typically see is a great group plan has low cost. And by the way, typically lower deductibles, where when you go out on the open marketplace, it's usually like a double whammy. The premium's yeah. higher and it's usually a higher deductible than you've been used to. Yes. So we don't like as financial planners we not only need to help you cover that cost but it's quite often that in this situation we're building into a financial plan hey we should be conservative here and say this mm -hmm. six thousand deduct six thousand dollar deductible let's plan on that probably being paid out of pocket this year and that's another expense you may not have been thinking about yeah so you you kind of mentioned it earlier i'll throw it out there again right the COBRA is kind of one option to continue your existing coverage going out on the ACA marketplace, right? Getting, getting individual coverage through the marketplace is kind of a, another, another option, but affordable, it's affordable care. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Obamacare. Um, yep. M many different any, ways to any other, any, any other names? Nope. I'll stop there. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's important to be able to compare plans because it's, in your example, and, and I agree, we, we typically see with employer provided coverage that those deductibles are typically lower, the premiums are typically lower um, compared to the ACA plans, right? The marketplace plans. You you really have to take in all factors to be able to compare. You're essentially comparing apples and oranges at that point because they they are they are different structures 
um, yep. to be able to wrap your head around what's this actually going to cost me in the end if I actually need to use it and not just focus on what's this premium versus what's what's this other premium. Yeah, so here's the other hard part for us, right? Situationally, if somebody needs to go out on the Affordable Care Act, uh, private insurance, whatever it's going to be, and get yeah. some sort of plan, part of what made the Affordable Care Act what it was um, and is are what's called tax subsidies. And that's mm -hmm. based on the income that you show in the given year. So we can't even tell you for sure, um, mm -hmm. you know, what is it going to cost you as an individual without thinking about, okay, let's project out what is your income literally going to be that year, whether you're working part-time, not at all. Are you on social security? Do you have a pension? Uh, do you have a spouse that's working? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit hard, but there are thresholds there. If you're a married couple and you both need health insurance privately and you're earning more than $70,000, you're not, you're not getting all the tax credits um, that you could be getting. So mm -hmm. even from our standpoint, what's our number one job for people in retirement? Help recreate their paycheck. <laughs> but not all paychecks are created equal. And if that drives the expense, we need to be really careful about that. Yeah, I, that's, yes, I'm glad you said that. That is, that is a key for us. And like you said, not all paychecks are created equal when it comes to retirement, right? Depending where, where that income is coming from is going to be taxed differently. So if it's coming from your non-retirement savings, savings at the bank and not necessarily coming from a retirement account that's going to look like taxable income to you, that can have a huge impact on yeah. not, not only just filling that gap of what you need from an expense standpoint, but then also qualifying you for some tax credits to make your cost of insurance actually less. Yeah. So I'm, I know we had a client situation a couple of years ago, and I shouldn't say client. I was not a client with somebody we were talking about working with. Um, I don't want to make it sound like we gave bad advice. Um, <laughs> No, but tr truly just knew this was the situation. It's actually why we got the call. You know, somebody in the process of getting private insurance, you know, kind of plugged the numbers into the Affordable mm -hmm. Care Act website and said, ah, I'm expecting to make $60,000 this year. Whatever the situation was, they needed to make a big withdrawal from their IRA to cover expenses. And then mm -hmm. it came tax time the next year and the IRS says, whoa, 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 whoa. All those credits we gave you, by the way, time to pay the piper back. So- yeah. Even if you get the credits retroactively, um, if you did not qualify for them based on where you pulled income, um, again, we're just talking about sticker shock. Yeah. These are things that surprise people in a very negative way where if you can have the conversation on the front end, understand how these systems work, that's why you have a planner like us. Yeah. So, and, and I kind of, in, in prepping for this conversation, I kind of broke it down into like two, two different camps, right? We've, we've seen kind of the unplanned retirement that yep. is, you know, less voluntary, where it is, you know, nearing, we've seen people late 50s, early 60s, and they get laid off because the company is downsizing, or they're just, you know, essentially replacing an older worker with someone who is younger and less expensive uh, to keep on payroll. Those, those involuntary retirements, right, there's only so much planning that you can really do. On the plan side, if somebody knows that they're looking to retire pre-65, um, I know, I, I believe we've talked about this in other podcasts. An HSA, a health savings account, can be mm -hmm. a great tool to help bridge that gap until Medicare, to help cover yeah. some of those healthcare expenses. And by the way, it's in a, in a tax preferred nature. We, we love HSAs because they are triple tax preferred, Advantage, tax free, whatever. Yep. Good yep. to Words taxes. Are, <laughs> Words are hard. So you, you're able to put the money in tax 
deferred, right? You're not paying the taxes on it when it, when it goes in. It can grow tax-free within it. And as long as you pull it out for qualified medical expenses, it comes out tax-free. It's, it's kind of one of the best things from an investment or uh, you know, tax, taxable type account to be able yep. to put it in without paying taxes and pull it out without paying taxes. Yeah, but here's right the the planner caveat. I have we have to say it. Um, mm-hmm. Saving into that plan is not without its own restrictions, right? Of course, you have to you have to qualify for it depending on the type of plan that you may have at work. Uh, yep. There are limits, much like we talk about you your limits to what you can put into an IRA. Uh, same mm-hmm. thing with an HSA. So yeah. you know the earlier that you can start doing these types of things, uh, the better. Um, yeah. So that's an important thing to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess so. The other, the other thought that I had here was, and you, and you mentioned it, we, we often think about saving for retirement into those retirement plans. And we just talked about if you have to pull money out of there, it's going to be taxable. Um, I think if anyone, and let's quantify this, the latest study I read was like 40, 45% of people plan to retire before age 65. Whether they actually do or not, I guess mm. um, there's probably different studies for that, but yeah. The vast majority of the, if there's, if that's a coin flip that you're thinking about retiring before pre 65, the HSA yeah. was a great thing. Build a cash reserve, like build that yeah. extra cushion. That's not having to tap into retirement dollars, not only for that tax flexibility, um, but because it is quick access to cover things like deductibles. If you have to, if you can't get all that money that you really in an ideal world could have gotten into an HSA. Yeah. I know we've, I've made this joke on other podcasts, right? It's, the, the one of our favorite words is flexibility, right? And that's an exact example of, of where we would love to see that having money saved in different types of accounts to be able mm-hmm. to control, right? And kind of do that planning on the fly when it's needed to be able to pull from a savings account, knowing that, you know, the taxes are minimal, being able to pull from a Roth IRA, potentially knowing that the taxes are, may, it may be tax-free. Having a retirement account, again, knowing it's going to be taxable, but being able to combine all of those things, putting all those pieces together um, to be able just to control your taxable income in any given year. Because again, that's, that drives a lot of the process when it comes to healthcare pre-65. Yes. So one more point that triggered into my head as you were saying that, just a point of clarification, a health savings account is not a flexible savings account. Sometimes there's confusion in the workplace on one or the other. Yeah. Um, a health savings account is not a use it or lose it situation. It can roll over right. year to year. So we often feel comfortable telling people to save there because mm-hmm. at some point in your life, you're probably going to need medical care that's going to eat into a deductible. Like you're going to use this at some point. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it triggered another thought on my end. Another caveat for the HSA, the health savings account, is that you can't use it to pay uh, insurance premiums, you can use it to help meet your deductibles, pay, pay your expenses ongoing. So if you did retire pre 65, you started Cobra or you, you bought a plan on the marketplace or you just bought private insurance, you can't necessarily use those funds for premiums, but you can use those to help meet your deductibles. And the idea there being if, if you're relatively healthy and you don't expect to kind of blow through your deductibles, you can choose a lower premium plan with a higher deductible, knowing that you have the savings there to be able to be pulled tax-free to help help meet those costs if they even occur. Solid point, solid point. Great. So the other thing that I kind of wanted to 
wrap this up with is hmm. I think we're seeing more and more frequently people being willing to kind of transition into retirement where, yeah. again, if it's, if it's non-voluntary, that's one thing. But even there, um, we often run into people that go, well, well, I don't know that I want to fully retire and just sit around all day. Maybe I will work mm -hmm. part-time. Maybe I will volunteer. Uh, maybe I'll dabble in you know, what we deem small business activities. Um, the key there always is you're probably not going to get insurance in those working environments, but we are big believers. I guess I shouldn't say we. I, I think you are too. <laughs> you can tell me if you don't. I believe that part of planning is like mental accounting, yeah. you know, and if we can kind of isolate, all right, you're 61 and we don't really want to take social security yet. And we know you have to get your own healthcare. Mm -hmm. Here's the gap that we need to fill. Um, so we can mentally go, here's the, here's the money I'm going to go earn to fill these gaps. And sometimes that puts us in a good enough headspace to, you know, move forward with the plan and not let the high expense that you see healthcare being, deter you from doing something that might give you greater life flexibility and quality of life. Yeah. I, I, I know we, we discussed this on, on a different podcast where it's, if it's just understanding that to, and, and the, the example you laid out, right. If, if I know I need to go earn 15,000, $20,000 a year to essentially just cover healthcare, but that means I can either choose my own hours work in a different position that I know is less stressful, whatever that yeah. may be, that may be all the confidence that I need to be able to, to make that decision and feel good about uh, transitioning into retirement rather than just pulling the plug and hoping for the best, you know, with, with healthcare and costs and whatever withdrawals I would need to, to fill that gap, just knowing, or at least being able to pinpoint. And, and you said it, right. It's, it's mental accounting. I absolutely work that way. Um, being able to mm -hmm. just, match up an expense with with some income and and just those are those net each other out and now i can focus on everything else that that's an okay way to go about it too yeah so maybe maybe that's the way to kind of conclude this the key here is to have the conversations uh, if yeah. you're thinking about that early retirement again early by medicare standards in this conversation mm -hmm. um and let's just let's not be, be surprised by anything let's take inventory of where income is going to come from what assets you have what the expenses can actually look like. And then let's just try to pair it up. And that may mean for some people, we're going to rely on savings accounts. For some people, it's going to be fill that income gap with some sort of earned income, um, but know what that is. You know, That's what we wanna do. We wanna empower people with the information they need to feel comfortable with the decision. Yep, I, I, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Wonderful. <laughs> Cool. Anything you want to add to this conversation? No, no. I think we touched on them all. Love it. I love it when we get it all in in 14 minutes and 37 seconds. Mm. I Fantastic. have no idea if that's accurate. Well, we'll all see. Right. <laughs> thank you for the time again, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you. So long. Hey everyone, Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investment. Thanks for listening.